Thank you guys so much for tuning back into Young Money Mindset. Today we have a super awesome guest, Miguel. Thank you so much for Appreciate coming you in. Coming on, brother. No man, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. Of course, man. So just quick little introduction on Miguel is he's the co-founder of SoulPod, which is really it's a community, guys. But at the at the heart of it, they're a real estate company. Um, they, he's got two other folks that run Soul Pod with them, and uh, man, you guys are just absolutely killing it. Thanks, I've been yeah, I've been watching kind of from afar. And uh, really noticed, you know, all your guys' success and uh, kind of what you guys did in the last, what, four or five years with SoulPod? Yeah, SoulPod 2020, so three years. Okay. So tell us a little bit, because I know our, basically our original introduction was back, I want to say, I don't know when that event was, but maybe 2022, roughly? Yeah, some part in 2022. I really don't remember, but. Yeah, it I was, think it was like summer, maybe summer. Summer 22. Yeah, because it was hot. It was yeah. hot. So I, uh, I went and watched you speak at an event yeah. and, um, man, it was awesome. Just how vulnerable you were, how transparent, how real you are. And as you know, sometimes different industries, right? It's kind of hard to get that real authenticity, uh, when you're speaking with people, especially when it comes to money and deals and all of yeah. that good stuff. So fill us in on kind of a little bit about yourself. Give us a little bit of background and I'll let Robbie jump in and kind of dive into your, your past. Sweet, man. Well, do you want to dive in, or do you want me to go ahead? And yeah. Start? So I mean, I mean, obviously. So you started. You told me just before we got on air. You're 30 years old. You've been doing it about five years. SoulPod is is three years in now. So what was what was that first two years in the industry like for you leading up to SoulPod and t- to to where you are now? Oh, dude, it was brutal. Not gonna lie. Um, I got started in 18 in December of 2017. I quit my job. Like I talked to a realtor, and a realtor told me he was helping. Rodolfo, my business partner right now, he was helping him buy a house. And I met the realtor and started talking about real estate. And he brought up that he makes, at that time, it was around six, seven grand average per commission per deal. I was like, holy shit. Like, and at that time, I was making 25, 30 grand a month on a full-time, well-paying, not well-paying job, but I was making 50 grand a year. After taxes, that's what you bring home. And he, I was like, dude, sell one deal a month. I'm making six grand. Like, that's so easy realtor so I quit my job as soon as I heard that jumped into real estate and I made in my first year in real estate 12 grand Shit. <laughs> okay. were you on a team or were you solo I started kind of like with this realtor that taught like told me that started with him as kind of like his assistant that lasted I think two weeks I was like dude I'm not an assistant right. so he's like then all right you're a buyer's agent go do this 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 and that became a buyer's agent and brought deals to the table and I was like, oh, here's like your check. I was like, oh, that's a six grand commission. Why am I getting $800? It's like, oh, well, I was with Keller Williams back then. Like, oh, team is 50-50 split and ours is 60-40. Like, I was like, all right, great. I'm done. And dude, that was 2018. And then I dabbled into wholesaling by here listening to Real Estate Disruptors podcast, Steve Train. Yeah tracked him down and I was like, dude, I want to work for you. Like, this is more of like what I want to do. Yeah. And 2019, I was the top acquisition manager for their company. And dude, I closed a lot of deals for them, but I really didn't make much money, man. I made like 38 grand. The whole year? Holy shit. Whole year, dude. Wow. So was that your second Hustling. year? Yeah. That was your second year in the business? That was my second year in the business, full time. Like I didn't have anything. So else. what are you what are you doing to survive then? Because I mean, a twelve thousand oh, dollars a year and a, and that's a whole another story. Year, I mean, that's that's tough to live I, out I here be, in Arizona. I became um, I developed 
a great skill, dude, on cash flow management and how to be a good debt manager, I guess. I learned so much about credit lines, business credit lines, credit cards, balance transfers, interest-free. So at that point, dude, I was just figuring out how to – I was paying rent with credit cards. I would rack up debt on a credit card. I would find a new credit card. I would transfer that balance interest-free. Then I would go open a business line credit card and then pull that balance. And then once this was due, I would pay it off and so on. Like I just played that. Just playing the credit game? Playing the credit game. up as much as you can? Yeah, yeah dude. And it's kind of a blessing in disguise because when I like debt-free, I had like at that point like 150 grand in available credit. <laughs> so it was okay, yeah like, it's not so bad yeah it's not so bad and in the meantime like after that like i was able to even help friends like how to manage debt how to dude a lot of people don't know what a freaking balance transfer is like it's like dude just transfer your three four grand credit card balance into an 18 21 month interest-free credit card and make your 150 dollar payment a month and you're 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 done Golden. yeah and dude learning like that's how i survived no, I, I love that, man. And to everyone out there listening, it's cool to just to see, like, what you're willing to do to succeed. Like, a yeah. lot of people may may have not, you know, been able to kind of manage that or, or kind of do that whole – because that's stressful. I mean, at the end of the day, moving credit and, and ba- balance transferring this and doing that. So kind of take us what's, – what's year three look like? So you make 38 grand your second year. What yeah. Is, what does year three look like? So I guess the third – first, I want to be clear. The 38 grand, that's just a number. Yeah. Like, that's the amount of – I saw a story. You know who Cody Barton is? Yeah. He posted a story today or yesterday, I can't remember, that says your revenue will never outpace your your growth, which is true, right? Like, I love that. Yeah. I made 12 grand. Why? I was a 12 grand guy. I made 38 grand. I was a 38 grand guy. What did I do the year that I made 38 grand and 12 grand? I grew a fuck yeah. on, dude. Like. <laughs> in paper, I made 38000 but my knowledge by year two, dude, was 10 times the knowledge I can say of 95% of real estate agents or wholesalers out there because I learned from Steve Trang, Max Jimenez, Matt Potter that was in the same brokerage. Like, a lot of dudes that are freaking killers, I was just absorbing, absorbing, absorbing. Yeah, I made thirty-eight grand. What happens on year three? I go on my own. Um leave that their acquisition company and start like kind of my own wholesaling side and do some traditional deals here and there. But I go make like a hundred grand my third year. It's like first year I break six figures. Okay. Which is such a, I mean, it's a big feat for a lot of people yeah. to hit that first six figures, you know? No dude. And if you look at percentages, like you're making 12, you're making 38 and you're making a hundred. There's a pattern. There's like a 300% pattern there. So that was kind of year three for me, kind of going on my own. Rod went with me, and we partnered. And then in mid-year of 2020, like, we go off in February. Fucking COVID happens in March. It was like, what the hell's going on? We kind of figured it out. We kind of built this little train of direct-to-seller on what we learned how to do in year two. And that kind of took off. And in mid of 2020 is when I really started a business relationship with Templeton. And that's how kind of soul pot started to form ground and mid 2020 moving forward is when August of 2020 soul pot was like created. Got it. And then so soul pot gets created. 
I mean, I think that's awesome. That's like a really neat story because I think a lot of people too, like sometimes it's, it's easy to get like lost in someone's success. Like once you see like what they've got, like you don't know what they've yeah. gone through in order to see kind of where oh. they're at, which is always like that tip of the iceberg kind of cliche thing. You, you oh, know, that yeah, picture dude. you always that's see. That's freaking, that must be nice, right? Yeah. It's cliche, yeah. but it's so true. It is. It is really true. And so that's awesome. I appreciate you filling us in on that backstory because that brings us really to like 2020. You guys get Soul Pod up and running. I guess that's maybe where I kind of started hearing about it a little bit because, you know, I started kind of getting into that whole wholesale world yeah. and at least kind of following it before I even really fully jumped in because I started off just as a traditional real estate agent, kind of similar to yeah. you. So. I mean, fill me in, like how many deals, like you guys were just direct to seller. Cause I think a lot of our audience is going to be agents, wholesalers, and folks maybe looking to get into real okay. estate. So fill us in, like, what were you guys doing to get deals? What did that process look like early on in wholesale or in uh, soul pods? So early on soul pod, how quick scroll right there, how soul pod came to be kind of was Rodolfo and I had this direct seller operation that was pumping four to six direct seller deals a month. It was just consisted of texting and cold calling. Like that, that was it. We were cold calling. And in the meantime, we had a VA that was texting who would send us a lead that we would cold call. We oh, were, was, your VA was physically texting as well. Well, we had the batch yeah, texting yeah. program and, they, but like they, you needed to like send yeah. like, to text. <laughs> yeah. So she would do that once a seller expressed interest. She would submit the lead, pop in her CRM, then we would call it. But during that time, I was on the phone eight, ten hours a day, like nonstop. And we were able to get so many good deals. And then we met Temp, which he was a buyer, and we kind of started collaborating. And there was something about this dude. I mean, do you know Temp? Oh, yeah. Well, I haven't yeah, I met him. Like, dude, met his energy, him. his vibe. I was like, dude, I want to be around this guy. Like, this dude is insane. His vibe is incredible, like, and he makes a fuck ton of money. So I was like, I need to be around this guy. And I purposefully started to send every single direct deal we had. Hey, Temp, here's this deal. Or, hey, Temp, we just made 20 grand on this deal. Here's 10 grand. Like, I don't care. And at that point, Rod and I were like, Rod was like, what are you doing? Like, I was like, dude, I don't care. Like, this is, my gut's telling me, like, let's go give this dude money because something will come of it. And in August... We had done, I'd say, 10 deals, made over 150 grand each, like him and my Rodolfo and myself. And he's like, guys, like, we're up to something. I'm kind of burnt out on the wholesaling side. Let's partner. And Rod and I just, like, look at each other. like, is this dude fucking serious? It's like, it's like, are you sure? It's like, yeah, I'm sure. Like, fuck it. Let's partner. It's like, dope. Partners it is. And, dude, that's when we kind of got started in that point our business consisted of our, still our direct seller operation and then temp brought a lot of referral activity based on his brand and image and it was pretty much a a compiling of both and that's how kind of soul pot what it is now came to be like this machine of like hey 2021 was direct to seller incredible but also referral we were bringing in a deal a day as well. Like it was also the market made us look yeah. like heroes. Right. Yeah. But still like closing 40 deals a month for a full year is not easy. Yeah. So that was kind of what the operation consisted of not going much into details of how many people were in the team and 
what it exactly can if you guys want to know that i'm more than happy to tell you but that's more of like what soul pod came to be no and I, that's awesome and i i guess too yeah like it, it sounds like because i know soul pod like you guys have, have crushed it and like doing 40 deals like anyone out there listening i'm mean, 40 deals a month i mean that's that was what we value. did not 40 every single month yeah, but just like you know you had big months and yeah. all ebbs and flows you know like but i think like what does that makeup look like because i know just from like my own experience and trying to figure out i know a lot of guys out there have maybe a small team yeah you know, or they're thinking about it. So, like, what was your kind of first? And I'm sure like Temp may have helped you, and Rodolfo probably had helped you as well, kind of structure. Oh, 100 percent, dude. I'm not doing this alone by any means. Yeah, but like, was it? But did they have like a couple guys that they brought to the table, and you maybe had like a guy that helped you early on, no. and then you guys kind of formed the team, or kind of. So it was us three at the beginning, and then as like we started, 21 started, and we're like, by the way, December of 2020. We made no money. Shit, okay. So we're like, well, fuck, dude. Like, is this working? That's how, like, then d- January 2021 starts. Well, and I think wholesale sometimes is like Yeah, that, dude. Right? But we like, were, like, usually, like, hey, we were making 100 grand a month, 100 grand a month. Like, this is too easy. And then yeah. December comes, and we're like, like <laughs> yeah. no, it's not. Yeah. Um, It was three of us together. And then how it started, it kind of – I think what makes it special is – a lot of companies, you either are, hey, our company's direct seller, and that's how we get deals. Hey, our company follows a JV model, that's how we get deals. Or our company does agent outreach, that's how we get deals. Dude, this weird mixture of our talents kind of formed a direct seller machine. We had a big JV side with Temp's brand, and then I got it started, get my own brand that started to bring its own deals in Rodolfo. And then we implemented MLS acquisitions and then agent outreach and kind of all this thing that kind of transformed into this monster of this shit works if you put in the work until it doesn't, right? Yeah. yeah. But we had Taylor. So it was us three and Taylor, our director of operations. She's pretty much the center, what holds us together. If she leaves us, we're like... Is she TCing files? TCing files, admin. I've ran... I've ran, ran and still do run the finances, but I've trained her on how I like money ran. That's pretty much what I love doing. So she also helps me with that. And then we brought in Jeff Dwyer. Love him. He's no longer with us. He's doing his own thing. Um, and as we started growing, 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 at one point, we had over 40 vir- virtual assistants, cold calling. We had like five others texting. Uh, we had six in-house acquisition reps, one disposition manager, one TC, and that was pretty much our team. At one point, it consisted of 60 human beings. Wow, okay. Where are you? Where were you getting your VAs from? Uh, there's this company called Red Door Marketing. Okay. So I'm from a, originally from a small town in Mexico called Casas Grandes. One of the owners is from there. Yeah. She still lives there. So the virtual assistants were a mixture of uh, Filipinos, and Mexicans. Yeah. So we've talked about it before. And it, do you have a preference on one or the other um, for for U.S. calling? And be honest with us. No, here, dude. Like, I mean, honestly, I'd have Mexican cold callers because yeah. their accents are better. That's that's what I've heard. However, true. what I love about the Filipinos is no one will outwork them. Yep, so right. it's kind of like, dude, their accent is better, but these guys will actually do the work. 
And so, I, I, we, so we have, uh, we have two VAs in the Philippines and you're uh, at least from our limited knowledge, like that is definitely true. I know on the, having the Mexico call center, I was told that at one point, like if you were to scale that, like just the, cause we don't do any in the Spanish mm-hmm. market. And I know that's a big untapped potential mm-hmm. possibly here, especially in the Valley, yeah, you know, especially being, in able Phoenix. To, yeah, absolutely. being able to tap into that. So, um, man, that's awesome. So I really appreciate you kind of filling us in on that and like, to the agents out there, like, what would you say? I mean, we're, we're in July or August of August 2023. Already. August. Know, went, went, went crazy yeah. quick, man. It did. I can't believe we're almost, yeah, shit, we're going to be out of 23 here soon and then in an election year. So what would you – I know. We'll <laughs> see what happens. Okay, 2024. It's going to be a fun real estate year. That I'll tell you. Oh, I know. Yeah, I've been I've been stoked, stoked about 24, especially with seeing what, what happens with yeah. and stuff. But. Yeah. If you're a real estate agent out there, what would you tell a real estate agent out there that's trying to add more deals to their bottom line? Dude, learn new skills. I guess I hopefully we get into what everyone can talk about the wins and 2020 was a win, 2021 was a win. I don't think nobody's talking about what these last 12, 13 months consisted of, right? And the reality is that who moved my cheese? Yep. Exactly. The book yeah. I told you to read is you have to learn new skills. And if you don't put in the work to learn new skills, whether you, if you're a real estate agent and you don't learn how to become an investor, whether you want to buy and hold, if you have the cash, because many successful real estate agents that have good deal boards that are closing 30, 40 grand a month in their pocket have the ability to go buy rentals. Maybe that's your strategy. Like you can go be a realtor, but go buy rentals. But if maybe you're not closing that many deals, you got to figure out how to generate more active income, whether that's via wholesaling, that's flipping, whatever it is. Like you have to learn new avenues of generating active income. And pulling different lead levers too, because I think that's also another big thing that agents do is they get one-sided into, hey, I only do exactly, I only do referrals. And it's like, well, if you're only generating X amount of deals, like, you know, whether even if it's a good amount of deals, it's like, how do you go to that next level? Maybe you pull on a different lead lever and, you know, you start maybe if you're a cold calling guy, right? Maybe you dabble in the cold calling. I don't think cold calling is for everyone. No, it's not. I've tried to I've made the mistake over and over of trying to train people on cold calling that are just not, you know, that's not their main pillar. But like if it's not cold calling, then figure out something that works like 100 percent dude, and pull that lead lever. Right. And whatever that is and have options for that lead. Because if you're a one-trick pony and you're a real estate agent and you're a listing agent, let me list your house. I don't really, like, I don't really want to deal with a listing. It's like, all right, well, what have you learned how to do creative finance, novations, uh, wholesale deals? Like, yeah, we talk or, about it all the time about not being a one-dimensional agent. If you're a one-dimensional agent, and yeah, dude, I think also advice to real find your strength. Like, cold calling is not for everyone. I learned it, it's for me. Like, on the phones, like, I genuinely believe that no one is better than me. Genuinely. Genuinely, I know that's not true. But uh, when I'm on that phone calling a seller, I know that I'm going to either close him or figure something out for them. That's just how I approach every phone call. But if you're not that guy and if you're great at maybe building relationships, then go follow a model from someone like Templeton, which I think he is the model on relationship-based selling, which, what does he do? He goes, he's a buyer, develops relationships, establishes trust because he's closing on deals. That's that's a skill I learned from him that now I get to apply. I go and develop relationships with you and with other 
agents and wholesalers that now send me deals that I'm going to go either wholesale it, close it, flip it, do whatever. So no, find out what your strengths is and go figure out how to be a was it Swiss Army knife with those. Yeah, no, and that's huge. And I, I feel like I'm kind of in that early stage right of in my career of starting to close on deals and building that little bit of a reputation. Yeah, dude. It's like, hey, but it just opens that. It opens, like you said, it's a Swiss Army, Swiss Army knife. You can open up different knives for different things. And I think ultimately, though, like, let, let's get into that, that failure part, too, because, like, there's a lot of agents out there that are like, hey, that sounds awesome, right? Like, I get it. I need to work harder. I need to, you know, call. I need to do more open houses. Like, I feel like a lot of agents, at least in my opinion, they kind of know what they need to be doing, right? Like, 100%. They, they, they understand. Hey, everyone it. knows what we need One to be doing. One thing to know is another thing to do it. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, what, like, where's, where's the disconnect or what are some failures that maybe that you struggled with? Um, that, you know, happened in, you know, let's say in 20, kind of this time last yeah. year, maybe, yeah, between June and, and August, because I know we had to cancel a lot of deals and I had to pivot. So like, what were some of those pivots or what were some of those main, like, or those takeaways from your failures? So these failures go back, back like more than the 13 months. One of those things is having a single point of failure. Single point of failure means... You're a one-trick pony, whether that's in your marketing or your acquisitions or whatever you do. At one point, our business consisted of 80%. Like It kind of started to turn around where referral was booming. Like We were bringing in so many deals and closing, and, dude, this is easy. It's no cost. And it kind of reverted where our business consisted of 75 80% relationships until they stopped sending us deals because they didn't have any. And our direct-to-seller, which is a predictable business, was kind of, like, left out. Yeah. Like, hey, like, I'm over here, but we never did anything. So that was one big aha. Is like, make sure you don't – and it's all about counterbalance, but make sure you don't really let go of what's predictable. Yeah, no, that's huge. And I guess it, it ties into the who moved my cheese. If you guys haven't read that book, Miguel, you Dude. told me to read that. I think it was – yeah, year and a half ago now, dude. No, that that book changed. I had read it, and then June of tw- of last year happened. This is where we can get into it. We had over three hundred thousand dollars in the board of revenue set to close in the next thirty days. We were happy. We were dancing. Our whole, not our whole, but majority of our business model consisted of selling the hedge funds. Whether that's us taking it down, kind of. Fl- fixing it and flipping it and then reselling. We had such great relationships with hedge funds. So we thought that they had our back that we were, Hey, we'll take the risk. We'll buy the house. We'll kind of flip it for you to how you want it. And then we'll resell to you. It's like perfect. Or we were just wholesaling. And until they told us to go fuck ourselves. (laughs) Do you look back on that and be like, shit, man, we're so naive and thinking that these big hedge funds would at least, because like ultimately at the end of the day, right, they're looking after their bottom line. Like Exactly. We we all knew this was going to happen. We had signed contracts, earnest deposited to where they told us they were going to honor it, and they didn't. And it was leaving, living in that false hope. Where I'm going to the cheese thing is that happened, dude. And for the next 60, 90 days, I was still stuck on the idea that they were coming back and buying. Like I was still like, they told me September they're gonna come back, and we're gonna get like, we're gonna we're gonna resell these houses. You, and you guys are sitting on them, right? How we're many sitting. houses? How many Dude. houses? Like approximately. For, you guys for the hedge fund, it was eleven. Eleven. Okay. Eleven. Total in that month, we had thirty-five active projects. Wow. 
which those 11 turned out to be our worst, like... Well, yeah, they're hedge funds. They're hedge fund deals, yeah. right? But I guess the who moved my cheese is, dude, we needed to learn new skills and stop, Miguel, like, these hedge funds are not coming back. Like, go look for new cheese. Go look for new skills to develop and how to make money because this ain't happening again. And it didn't, dude. Like, it's been over a year now and... Haven't talked to him since. Haven't talked to him since. Yeah, no, that's that's huge. So fill us in. Like, that's really interesting. Like, so you guys had 30 or 35 projects. Like, I, and that's a whole nother conversation. I can only imagine the yeah. logistical nightmare between, like, managing all of those different Dude, two projects. full-time project managers under salary. Wow. Shit. So 60 grand each a year. So that was, like, but that's what you needed, right? And it was working. For, it worked for 18 months. And... Yeah, and then it doesn't, right? It doesn't. Yeah, but we have to finish to, the project. Though. You gotta, you gotta almost expect for those things to happen. Dude, we lost a lot of money. And what was the exit? Yeah, I mean, well, can you share that number? Dude, like, of course. We lost. It was a, it was a one point two million dollars swing for us. Shit. Okay. So we lost over a million dollars. Okay. So if you're out there and you're struggling, maybe you lost a little bit. Like, just keep things in perspective because it's, it's it all going. ebbs and flows, right? Like, no matter what level you're at, right? Shit swings. You know, yeah, it was down. it was in in total net losses. They totaled around seven hundred thousand. The other five hundred thousand dollars were money that we had to trap of our own capital into properties that we turn into rentals that we had to go refi out. That we had to leave. Hey, that's yeah. equity in there. That's fine. That's money. That's an investment long term. Thirty years from now, we're gonna be like, thank God we did that. But yep. for now, it's like, hey, that's one point two million dollars that should be here. And it's not. Yeah. Well, and I guess a lot of people, too, or at least where, where my mind goes is, like, these are all property rentals that you all free own, right? Yeah. Okay. Do you, like, how do you manage partnerships and kind of that side of the business? Because I know that's a huge thing where there's a lot of people out there. Maybe they want to go start a business. Mm -hmm. They're afraid to partner, right? They're afraid to get into that. Because, I mean, we're talking large sums of money. You know, you have contracts in place and, you know, you own these rentals with these guys. Like, how do you... How do you manage that? That's a great question, man. And so we're all equal partners. So we're a third, a third, a third. Little backstory. We were first 50% Templeton, and then Rod and I were 25, 25. And as years went by, and we never asked to be third, third, third. Why? Because Temple's ahead of us. He had more experience, and he brought, at that time, more 50. Like, value was there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, so it's, we always call it about reciprocal value. We brought value, and then we became partners in thirds. It's never been a problem because there's always been fair exchange of value. And I think as in a relationship, whether it's with your business partner, your partner, your spouse, anyone else, if there's an equal change of value, there will never be an issue. And for us, that that's one thing. The other thing is... We're business partners. Have you guys read the book Traction? Mm -mm. No, yes, no. You guys got to read it. One of the most important things that I – my biggest takeaway from that book, yeah, you get to learn how to run a business. That's great. Very important. But the most important thing for me is the core values that you share with the individuals you do business is what's going to either make or break your relationship. That's – we can go make a million dollars – like us three, but if we share different core values, we're not going to last. It's not going to be long-term. Yep. It's going to be probably a year, two years. So it, it has to be 
same core values and a fair exchange of value in order for everything to be amicable. Do we have our little rough patches? Yeah, of course. Like, who doesn't? But at the end of the day, like, we always, when, when we're having trouble and we're either, what's the word? I was going to say allegations, but it's not that word. Well, like, yeah, when you have, like, a disagreement. Disagreements or like, like a and all that. A, like a we always start each conversation. All right, fellas. And this is true, by the way. Like, there doesn't exist a world where us three are not in business. Like, there's not a world where that. That's the non-negotiable. That, so, before starting our disagreement conversation, that's the thing. Like, this world without, like, our partnership doesn't. What's the word? Doesn't exist without, like. Yeah, like. Uh, yeah. Yeah, usually it sounds cooler when we say it, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's like, us yeah. do, us being in business together, not us not being in business is not an option. That's how we say it. Okay. So let's get started. I, I like, like it. it. Yeah. yeah. Like that's that's just the truth. Because then you can actually work on the issue at exactly hand, instead of letting it get personal. You know? Exactly. We never let it get. Well, it, it kind of is personal, dude. Because Rodolfo's my best friend. Templeton's my best friend. Like yeah. we genuinely are best friends. Like, my wife and Templeton's wife are best friends. Like, we really tell each other, all right, Temp, like, us not being in business is not an option, so let's fucking figure it out. And we do every single time. (laughs) No, that's cool, though. And I I think, too, like, you don't know that going into it, though, right? You don't know that maybe, you know, I don't know how, what your your backstory was, how long you knew Temp and Rodolfo prior to the partnership, but a lot of times in partnerships, from my understanding, you're not going to know how you work together. You're not going to know that those, you know, that you are all going to be on that same wavelength, you know, when it comes to like, hey, it's a non-negotiable. We're going to be in business. Like, let's figure it out. So I think that's huge. I've had my failures a lot in, in, you know, partnerships before. And uh, where it's like everything, it's like a honeymoon phase, right? Like in, in some relationships. Like, yeah. It's like everything is great up front, right? Until like they're a real character, they're real, those real colors start to show. And then it's like, wait a second, right? So I think that's awesome, though, that you guys have found that and then also like been able to to make sure that that like is, is top of mind and always Dude, like. Always. Like if it's not, we're done. Yeah. Anyone's done. Yeah. So what did um, so you guys are all on the same wavelength? Like when you guys had those thirty five properties, like, I mean, were you guys selling these? I know you refied some of them, right? Kept those as rental. I would imagine are those cash flowing? Not many. Not many of them. Okay, are they just breaking even? Yeah, breaking they... even. Okay. Breaking even. Yeah, that's not bad though. So, dude, I know a lot of people. Oh, three hundred dollars minimum cash flow. I they may call me stupid for this, but if I'm having a property that's like breaking even. I'm okay with it because I'm not playing this game for me to make $300 a month. What is $300 a month going to do in my life? Nothing. Yeah. What is 200 grand of 300 grand of equity going to do in 20 years? A lot. Yeah. So that's what, that's the game I'm playing. Well, I think that's all. I just bought a, yeah, I, I just, I can totally relate to that right now. Cause I'm, I'm going through that exact thing. So it's refreshing to hear because anyone out there that you, you know, some guru is always going to tell you, Oh, it's got to make 400, $300 yeah. a minimum cash flow, And it's like, Dude, if I could find that every single one of those deals, I would buy them, right? But yeah. it's like sometimes it doesn't work out like that. And sometimes I think especially right now with the creative financing, if you can get a low interest rate and lock it in and, you know, accelerate that, you know, that that principal pay down, yep. I mean, that is going to be your – I think Ryan Pineda, I, I watched, he had a story on this, and he's like, dude, I don't 
Like I've made millions on my equity, not my cash flow. Exactly. Like, you know, he's like, the equity is where I've made all my money and 1031ing out and, and you know, going to bigger, bigger properties. So 100%. I think for us that we're starting this investment life into real estate and all that, um, there's one dude that told me that my life won't change until I have 100 doors. Like cash flow wise, it's like your life will have, you could have 50 doors. Yeah, you're going to cash flow, but let's say problems, self-managing, all that. It's like once you hit the 100-door milestone, that's when life starts to get super nice. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Sounds and that's right. – yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then you get that, that economy of scale and yeah, all, dude, you know, exactly. all that. And it's just – And you can leverage the equity on each one, and then you go and do compound effect on everything. Yeah, which is awesome. So – Man, that's really interesting. So that was one of your failures. Like, bring us into kind of more of a present-day thing. I mean, it sounds like you guys got through that rough patch, right? And then kind of transitioned those into long-term rentals, kept pushing forward. I mean, let's talk about mindset. I know that's something that's right in our title here. <laughs> Young money mindset, right? And I think that's honestly, and just shooting you 100% straight, like I think a lot of people, you know, between 20 and, you know, 25, let's say, are maybe in a mindset where they're like, hey, man, the world's out to get me. You know, nothing's yep. fair. And I've always had the mentality, if it's to be, it's up to me. Like, I got to yeah, go 100%. out there and fucking make this shit happen. And uh, how do you have that? I don't know what the right word is, but, like, how do you have that aggression or, like, that desire that? Because I would imagine you and your business partners wake up and you're not like, hey, yeah, if shit happens today, cool. Like, no, you know, no, like dude. how do you wake up? How do you keep that, especially when you get more successful, but then also early on? Well, one thing is we got to feed our brains on a daily basis. I think that's probably the most important thing that I would say to anyone. Um, you're right, man. I think mindset's the most important thing. These last 13 months, like, we can talk about the business financial failures all they want. I don't think no one talks about the mental failures because there were many mental failures in the last 13 months that I experienced. I'm sure you experienced, you experienced, and that everyone experienced, but no one talks about them. And overcoming those mental failures is harder than overcoming financial failures, in my opinion. That's just... No, that's huge. And it's you're right. I don't think a lot of people do talk about that, right? Because it's like we all want to put on this image. We all want to put exactly. on the persona that, oh, we're some super successful real estate guy, right? When I go tell a buddy, like I, I went and had a drink with one of my buddies, and he's like, man, you're some big real estate guy now, and you have all these doors and these rental properties. I'm like, dude, fuck, it's the furthest thing from the truth. I'm stressed out. I'm fucking constantly yeah, on dude. my phone. I never have a day off. Like I don't fucking go on vacations. Like it's not as like all cracked up no, what dude. it is. So why do you like, I know I'll, I'll tell you one of my, my mental failures over the last 13 months has been really just being, being so self. Um, I don't know if it's the right word, but I know me and you have discussed it in the past and I, I would love to hear your take on this. Cause I know we've um, like, especially early on, right. When we really were just, you know, four or five deals in, you yeah. know, really early on. Like, how do you deal with that constant pressure of always being on? And what I mean by that is, like, I don't know if you feel like it, but it's, like, I saw someone post, too, like, I don't think I've ever had a day, like, a true day off of not being on my phone probably in four or five years. So, like, I don't know if there's, like, a 
you know, I don't know if there's like a work-life balance. I've never thought about that. You know, like I don't know if you go like D and D at night. I don't know if you go. I don't stop, dude. I don't stop either, and it's just like, and it, and it's not. It, I think it even goes deeper, at least for me. Like I'm truly happiest when I'm doing deals. Me too. Like I'm truly happy when I go home and I'm like fucking writing contracts, calling my TC, doing this, doing that, like running around, then going to get dinner. Like I am truly the happiest at that. Like if I go and sit down and like unplug i'm like i don't Someone know else I just, is getting ahead of you you well, know dude, that's like, that's 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 what success is in my book right the pursuit the pursuit of happiness is literally what you're doing you're, it's the pursuit it's the pursuit it's, it's the it's, journey that's why yeah. you're happy yeah it's it's the process once let's say you set a goal that hey i'm gonna make 100 million dollars once you make 100 million dollars that's not when you're happy you're happy from year one of 10 that took you to make 100 million dollars that's the pursuit of happiness. Like, that's what I call it. Um, like, you, you know, one thing I've been curious, uh, just sitting here talking to you, like, I can tell that you're a very dialed-in guy. And I think for a lot of people, like we were talking about, that our audience is, is kind of lost, you know, 20, 25 years old. Um, have you always had that switch? Or was there, like, a certain time in your life where you, like, you flip that switch on and you're like, all right, I'm going to go get it for me? Like, or, or have you always kind of just been that type of guy? No, that's, dude, I used to be... I used to go to work and come back home and fucking watch The Office all day. Like that's, That was me, dude. I think 2018, jumped into real estate. I jumped also into personal development. Started listening to Jim Rohn. And, dude, I was hooked. Like, no one's – once I learned that no one's coming to save me, I, was, I had this idea that I would always be a millionaire and I would be successful. But I was like, how am I going to do that? I didn't know, but I knew someday – it was going to happen. And it all started when I got into personal development. Like, again, mental, mindset, everything. And, yes, I'm a dialed individual. I'm always on. But, dude, if I'm not growing, my mental failures will take me to the ground. Because these last 13 months, the the mental failures that we had, or I had personally – we're big, dude. I was, I didn't know that, but then I was talking to a psychologist because I go to therapy, and she did like an assessment. I was like, she's like, you're in depression, bro. <laughs> I was like, fuck. Yeah, that's major. Uh, and yeah. I, and I never thought that would happen to me. Like I didn't know what depression felt like, but I was like, I was sad all the time for like two months, dude. Like every day I was sad. I don't want to do anything. I would still show up, do the work buy houses, but I was freaking sad. And what got me through that is that I did not stop putting shit into my brain that was positive. That was it. Like, even though, dude, do you have some days where you're like, dude, I don't want to read a book. I don't want to listen to a podcast. I don't want to do anything. Like, that's just you, your brain, because you're sad, you're depressed, your brain is trying to protect you and saying, like, dude, got to take it easy dude no keep absorbing the good stuff keep absorbing that and at one point you're going to have a breakthrough where you're going to be past that and you're going to say either goodbye to depression or whatever you're dealing with because if you don't 
you're gonna fit. Like you're gonna quit. Yeah, yeah. I love that. It's it's just keep feeding yourself. You know, you'll get through it. You keep feeding yourself with the good, and you will end up. You will, man. On the other end of it. Like you know what's that. one of the fucking craziest things that I was thinking about the other day, dude? Was even the music I listened to in the car. Like I've even been that like. Like trying to, to get dialed in. Like I used to listen to like you know all the all the music, right? Yeah. We all like right the the trap, you know, like the rap. Going up to a listening appointment. Yeah, <laughs> just like listening to that, right? And it's like usually, bro, they're not rapping about the most positive things. No, they're, they're not, rapping yeah. about taking drugs, you know, living this crazy lifestyle. And it's like, dude, I remember just like driving into my car, being like, "What the fuck? Like, what am I doing? Like, why am I why am I feeding my brain this?" Like, and you think you're not? That's the crazy thing, dude. You think you're not feeding your brain? You think you're just yeah, Which is, li- dude, I listen to songs that talk about drugs yeah. and all that every day. Like, me too, yeah. So yeah. it's like, it's no, not like too. I'm yeah. like, don't do that. No, neither. <laughs> but subconsciously, your brain is capturing, like your subconscious is capturing that little by little, dude. Which I personally believe that is like a effect. Like, have you guys read the book, The Compound Effect? Darren Hardy? No. no dude, no. read that. That's my favorite book ever. Pretty much talks about either how good decisions or bad decisions compound into great things. Well, and that's where I was or going. Or bad things. Yeah, well, and that's where I was going with it because, like, it's not, like, I listen to it all the time, but it's, like, I used to tell myself, oh, I don't have time to do that. I'm tired. I worked a long day. I'm not going to listen to that podcast. Yeah. But it's, like, just taking that extra little moment to listen to a podcast instead of, you know, music in, in the car ride, right? It was just, like, the littlest things, I guess, like you're saying, compound, right? It and it's compounds, just, dude. It's crazy. And then it's, like, I don't know if you've heard of Alex Ramosi. I feel like yeah, he's I pop- love that. Dude, he's like popped yeah. out of nowhere. It yeah. seems like these last like what six months. It's compound effect, dude. I know. Yeah. So I have you read his book? I have not. So it's called hundred million dollar offers. He's coming out with another 100 one. Million, hundred million dollar leads, right? Yeah, that's the new one. And uh, but the hundred million dollar offers is a book I've been reading just ten pages a day, man, and it's like changed a lot of shit. And I think that is just goes back, ties into like mindset and protecting that mindset. So let's talk a little bit about that too. Like you know, it's good to put all this stuff into your mindset and it's good to be, you know, surrounded by successful people, I think is huge. How do we protect our mindsets? Like if you're out there doing deals, like it's easy to be in a good mindset when everything's going well. How yeah. do you protect it over those 13 month span? Were you looking at your account and watching shit go straight down? <laughs> like what was your psychologist Dude. saying about that? Like so that's one thing. Let me talk a little bit about how the mental failure came to be, right? And what I actually found out of why I was actually depressed. And it's crazy, dude, but it's so true. And once I realized all that, I remember telling Templeton and Rodolfo, I was like, dude, I just had this aha moment of everything that's fucked up in our life right now. It's like, all right, tell me. So long story short, 2020, 2021, part of 2022, we go ahead and build this empire. In, in my brain, it's an empire. Dude, we're pumping deals. We have money. Have everything, dude. We're blessed. Uh, we're dialed. And then snap of a finger. Literally, snap of a finger. One day to another. And I remember Chris Simon had told me, like, the markets turn fast. Like, people don't expect it. It's my first market turn. Lived it. Learned a lot. But since August of 2022 till freaking November, dude, for that, those like four months, I was depressed and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't figure out why I couldn't wake up early that morning, why I couldn't wake up or go work out that morning or journal. I used to journal every single day of my life and I stopped doing it. 
And I was like, it's so freaking easy. But for some reason, I am not doing it. Like, I am not. It's so easy. I just need to grab a book and a journal. I just need to go work out. But I wasn't doing it. And I would tell myself, what's going on? Like, And I would tell like my therapist, like, I know exactly what I need to do. But I, for some reason, I'm not doing it. And I don't know why. That's when we, like, started to dive into yeah. it. She's like, all right, tell me everything. Get into everything. Build the empire, all that. We lose it. And then she starts asking me these weird questions of, like, everything, like, list everything you've lost. I'm like, da-da-da, 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 financially, da-da-da, da-da-da, material, da-da-da. It's like, all right, you know what's wrong with you? It's like, you're grieving, bro. Like, you haven't let go. Again, move my cheese. You haven't let go of the idea of what Soulpod once was because that we were also kind of, like, very attached to what Soulpod was and how our perception to the community was because we all kind of, like, Dude, we again depressed. Went down, wasn't really posting. No one was in our team. And she's like, You're attached to what you guys once were, what Soulpot was, what your business was, everything. And you have not closed the book and said goodbye to all of those things. Like, you haven't said goodbye. It's like, you need to pretty much write everything down that you've lost. That's no longer in your life. Whatever Soul Pot was, it's not anymore. Whatever your business, it's not anymore. And say goodbye to them because they're fucking gone. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you are so right. Like, so I did that, dude. Journaled everything. It's like, goodbye. Like, I'm done. No longer. This is what Soul Pot was. Recreate. And I brought it to my partners and they're like, dude, you're absolutely right. Like, Holy shit. So that was kind of like our revamp of restarting our lives our business everything and what our business looks like now versus what it was is completely different but i've never been happier and the way coming to your question of protecting my mindset was figuring out what the root of all that pain is and i i would still say this to date and i'd go to my grave with it the best way to protect your mind is surrounding yourself, but is by journaling every single day. If you put your good thoughts in a paper and your bad thoughts in a paper and your gratitude and everything into paper, the power is, I don't know how to explain it, but it's silly what it does. Because until I did that, I realized like how just grabbing a pen, putting everything in my brain, and just writing the word goodbye completely flipped the script on my life you know it's it's um and i'm just gonna g give you guys a quick plug that was that was awesome that was by amazing, the way. like thank that you was, for that. that was super powerful and like one i just want to give you a quick plug like your guys's podcast the two and a half mexicans make sure you guys go watch <laughs> oh it. yeah we need to restart yeah that. you Coming guys back. restart it Bring but it when out. i was so what's even crazier i was thinking about when you were saying that was that uh, 10 months ago i don't know if you remember but 10 months ago in an episode he had told um, I think it was Temp you were doing the, the, the podcast yeah. with right before you guys went to San Diego. Oh, okay. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I think I do. So, And what you had said is like that you guys were so – like you had your identity so tied up into that 
that it was very difficult for you to let go. It was so difficult, dude. And that is like, I guess, where I, I see like a lot of that, I guess I can like relate so much with that because it's like, I think it's very easy for us to all get our identities wrapped up into whatever it is, right? Being a real estate agent, being a wholesaler, uh, being a team lead, right? Having a team, your identities wrapped up in your company, um, being on a team, right? Like your identity gets, you know, tied to that. It's just like, you can kind of get your identity tied up into these different things. And it's like, that's why you see, I, at least in my opinion, you see some of the most successful people are those, some of the most miserable people. Cause yeah, it's like, it's true. Your identity it's is so true. wrapped up in this successful image that they can't, I don't know if it's letting they can't, you have to disassociate from your work. Exactly. And they can't, um, they can't show failure because their image or they're attached to success so much that if they show failure, it's like, oh no, like this can't happen. So it's I know I know what you're saying. It can't be displayed. It can't be. It's weakness. It's weak. Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. Weakness. Is it really weakness though? Like if Grant comes. Uh, no, no, no. That's Grant, how they perceive the it. Yeah. No, the perception. I know, but it, like to me, I like every time I see like especially on social media, like I love talking about failures. Like I. Oh, dude, it's my favorite thing to do. Because it's like I feel like people relate with failures more than like if I go on and talk about like oh we made X amount of dollars yeah, on this stupid. deal. It's like yeah. <laughs> most motherfuckers are like you're oh, just God. gonna make people feel bad because dude, whether we want it, whether whether we want to believe this or not. We are always comparing ourselves to someone else. 100%. We try not to because, again, comparison comparison is a thief of joy. But I say that quote all the time. Comparison is a thief of joy. But guess what? I still compare myself to other people. And if we're out there, like, showing how big our dick is and blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> Pulling out the measuring tape. <laughs> whoever. there, I, I guarantee, dude, you have people that compare to you. You have people that compare to your life. And I have people that compare to my life. I don't know who they are. Just as the people that I compare my life to don't know who I am, but I do. And every time they say success, 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 I'm like, fuck, I'm a, I'm a failure. I'm a piece of shit. Like this dude has a thousand doors right now. And I have, I don't know, 20 something like it's. Yeah, it's no, it is. It is. Being conscious of that is big. Being conscious of it, and like I, I did a little bit of that, um, that therapy too, and like they, like in the therapy session, they were saying a lot about like that goalpost always moves though. Oh, that's always. The thing. It's like always. it doesn't matter if it's like, if you're comparing yourself to the guy that's got you know X amount of doors, like once that achieves, like once you achieve that, then you find another. Person. Oh, dude, there you're no gonna top. want. There's no there's top. top. There's yeah. no top. So, man, it, that was awesome. And, um, you know, if you guys want to get tapped in more on, on Miguel's stuff, you know, make sure you guys check out Soul Pod. You know, I can't, I can't speak enough good things Thank about you, them. Thank you, man. Appreciate and, it. Uh, absolutely, man. I think that needs to be more of a, a main theme in these podcasts is, like, making sure that, you know, like, we're helping you guys out, you know, vice versa. I, I believe in good karma. and like, Oh, dude. Especially with, with the wholesale community. I coach our team on all the time. Like, dude, this is such a small industry. Like, you know, there's so many, it's such a small world out there, right? Where like, you're going to know, you're going to run across guys. You're going to do deals. We're all competing usually against the oh, same. Oh, dude, button. we're always, there's five wholesalers. We're always outbidding, <laughs> outbidding yeah. each other. Yeah. Oh, dude, but this, this, I've said it how, I don't know how many times I'll say it again. This is a relationship driven business. That's like, whoever has the most relationships is winning. That I can guarantee. Yeah. No, and I, I think, yeah, I, and I, there can't be enough said about that because I, I think sometimes, too, it's easy to forget that when you're just in your own lane, in your own office 24-7. 
that's one thing that's been a big game changer for us is having the podcast. I think over the last yeah, like, it's like this is this for me has been our journal, you know. And I I don't personally yeah. journal. I'm going. You to should, man. Day. It's it's medicine. Do you go back and read them? No, ever? I've never done it. You just put it down. Oh, actually, I just I put it down. I have like five saved journals from the last five years, like, yeah. but I've it's never opened yeah. them and read them because. I don't know. I'm very like, dude, once it's there, it's there. Yeah. But weirdly, every time I write something, I know exactly what I have to right. do next. Like, it's right. like. Clarifies it for you. Clarifies it. Clarity. Like, we have shirts that says clarity equals passion. I like that. So, you clarify, ignites the passion, then you go do. Very cool. That's like that. Yeah. And this is, like I said, this has been our journal for us. This is kind of what keeps me on track and keeps me going. It's awesome getting dude, to meet dude, people you like you. It, man. People like you guys. I mean, yeah, definitely appreciate you being on and being vulnerable. Oh, dude, it's, anytime. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate you being on, Miguel. And if you guys got some value out of the podcast, make sure you guys share it, post it on your stories, show us some love. We're going to clip this thing up to hell. Let's go. Cool. Guys know. So the clips get the views. So if you guys have made it to the full length podcast, we really appreciate you guys. And uh, make sure you guys stay tuned to everyone, and we'll have everything linked below. Thank you, guys. Peace. Yes.